Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation, and importantly, appreciation. The show is broadcast from 3CR Studios in Melbourne, 8.55am. Today we're going to be joined shortly by Greg McFarlane, who is the Director of Vegan Australia, an advocacy um, organisation that works on structural, looking at structural change um, in Australia for a vegan community and a society that appreciates and respects and protects animals. Before that, we just wanted to play a little bit of a clip from the newly signed in um, MP in Victoria, Andy Medic, who is a member of the Animal Justice Party, the first member of the Animal Justice Party to get into Victorian Parliament and the second member across Australia to get into a um, position in Parliament. And Andy had his um, maiden speech uh, last week and it was a really powerful, um, a really powerful speech that um, had a lot of passion behind it. And we were talking about how it would be great if all of our politicians were so impassioned and authentic. We're going to show, uh, play you a little bit of that clip of Andy's maiden speech, but we really encourage you to check out the full speech, 15 minutes, well worth the time, um, and we'll link to that in the show notes. It is the duty of us all to look after our fellow inhabitants of this planet both human and non-human alike. It is our obligation, the willing price we must pay for civilization. It is one of our party's key values, compassion. It is what attracted me to the construction industry and to the trade union movement. The catch cry of solidarity is not a platitude to me. It is an all-encompassing moral code to be extended to all peoples all species. It has been my privilege to have been a scaffolder on some of the largest buildings in Melbourne, the Crown Metropole, Vic One, ANZ and dozens of others. It has taken its toll. Comrades have died. I have been seriously injured and during one recovery I was working in the yard behind a pig slaughterhouse. Their screams of terror haunt me to this day. This is how I came to understand that I had more changes to make. I had to make a choice to no longer exploit non-human animals. And not only that, they had to become part of my advocacy, my fight for justice for all. It is extraordinary though, isn't it, that someone like me, a scruffy kid from the western suburbs, a scaffolder, a trade unionist, a vegan animal rights activist could stand here today in the one place where great deeds can be done, where lives truly can be saved. Victor Hugo wrote, there is nothing so powerful as an idea whose time has come. The idea that animals should be represented in the halls of power has not only come, it has clearly burst the doors down and demands to be heard.
The animal protection movement is global and emerging as the largest social justice movement of this century. And it is important to me for it to be recognised that it is a movement that in the majority is driven by women. I am both humbled and proud to be the first Member of Parliament in Victoria to be elected not only on an animal rights platform, but one that recognises and fights for all who are marginalised, who are unrepresented and whose voices are not given due consideration or weight. Transitions Film Festival returns to Cinema Nova this February with a selection of cutting-edge documentaries about what it means to be human. Featuring local and international documentaries, the festival covers social and technological innovations, big ideas and changemakers leading the way to a better world. Themes include art, activism, climate change, food revolutions, artificial intelligence and the future of our planet. Transitions Film Festival, February the 21st to March the 8th at Cinema Nova. Tickets from transitionsfilmfestival.com. A 3CR supporter. And that was, you were just listening to a fantastic speech by Andy Medic, MP for Animal Justice Party in the Victorian Parliament. Their maiden speech um, earlier this week and well worth checking out. Um, you can find that online in various places, Facebook especially. But now we are joined by Greg McFarlane, Director of Vegan Australia. Nick, do you want to do a bit of an introduction of Greg? Yeah, so Greg is the Director of Vegan Australia and yeah, long-time vegan. I know something that Greg is very interested in is the rise of veganism, which we're going to uh, talk about. Um, but I thought maybe to start things off in terms of the rise of veganism, maybe Greg, you could tell listeners a little bit about your vegan story. And I guess I'm imagining you've witnessed this sort of rise of veganism firsthand in terms of more vegan options, more awareness of veganism, that kind of thing in the time that you've been vegan. Uh, yeah, hi, uh, hi, Nick. Um, yeah, I think the the major shift that I've seen over the last twenty years or so is, is a is a change from veganism being being thought of by vegans as a personal choice and something that 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 you did but didn't really expect the world to to, to follow. Whereas whereas now we've got people like Andy Medic um, and and lots of other vegans saying, well, this is a this is a, an opportunity for the world to actually change and, and we can get rid of this um, horror of animal farming and, and all other animal uses. And I think that's a big shift in, in people's worldview. Uh, it's no longer a diet for, for the individual, but um, you know, essentially a diet for, for the planet. And uh, I, I also um, think not even we we're now moving beyond just talking about it in terms of a diet as well. I mean, it was very much um, sort of a large part of it is about a diet, but it's it's the ethic behind it around our entire use of animals um, in all aspects of our lives and society that I think is um, very much being spoken about as well. Yes, yes. So, and I, I shouldn't have said a diet. For it. it's, it's a it's a complete ethic and philosophy for, for the world. Um, I guess I was referring there to Will Tuttle's um, book, um, Diet for a, sorry, World Peace Diet, which does use the word diet, but, but it means all, all uses of, of an exploitation of animals. And I think he, he goes into a lot of detail about why the impact of, of animal um, use and exploitation on, on humans as well and how that um, that can um, be the 
the, the background of, of all sorts of other violence that goes on in the world. And definitely a lot of us vegans have noticed anecdotally a shift in terms of more, you know, when we say we're vegan, people know what we're talking about or maybe interested in veganism and, you know, vegan signs and supermarkets, all this kind of thing. There's also a lot of data, which we'll go into a little bit, which actually highlights this rise of vegan. And one thing um, Peter have actually pointed out recently is the Google Trends data on, yeah, searches for vegan and, um, yeah, on Google. So do you want to talk a bit about that Google data in terms of, uh, yeah, Australia? Australian results specifically? Um, yes, well, I, I noticed this, um, I guess, a few years ago when um, the, the, the charts for the comparison between searches for vegan and vegetarianism um, suddenly swapped over and, and vegan went from uh, quite a small um, percentage of those, um, those searches to, to uh, outpacing vegetarian. And I think that that's Sort of suggest a shift from looking at it um, mainly as a diet to, to looking at it um, as a as a, as a uh, philosophy and, and, a, and a way of life. Um, I don't have the figures in front of me. Um, oh yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's. Uh, um, no, sorry. I think we're going to talk about um, publications, aren't we, later? Yeah, um, yeah, I guess from from that from the Peter article, they mentioned that um, they analysed searches from around the globe during 2018 and found that Australia has the highest percentage of searches for the world vegan out of all for the word vegan. Sorry, out of all countries around the world, uh, and in terms of uh, cities, Adelaide, Melbourne, Brisbane, and Perth um, scored in their top list uh, or the top cities for for vegan searches around the world coming in 5th, 6th, ninth, and 10th respectively. Um, They said Sydney where Greg is speaking to us from came 14th so they didn't do quite as well but either way a lot of, yeah, Australia as a country many cities are very much topping the the Google searches for vegans. So a lot of interest in Australia specifically. Yeah, yeah. I I find that very interesting. Um, You know, we're we're, uh, uh, very much... uh, a country that's, that's come from an agricultural background. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why why vegan is so popular in Australia, considering um, some of our institutions and laws are fairly um, backward compared to, to, to say, Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we don't we don't have. Uh, well, in Europe, there, there's talk of um, um, having. Um, a belief of veganism as being a protected belief and that um, discrimination can't be done for that reason. And yet in Australia, um, the discrimination against vegans is, is, is quite obvious. So, um, But I think for Australia, it's a, it's a fantastic thing that, um, that people are so interested and another thing we've been um, looking into in terms of data is um, this is something that unfortunately is behind an academic paywall but um, I've been working on this with Greg in terms of getting this data out and I know Greg's going to put put some of this data out through Vegan Australia but 
Um, yeah, the rise of the word vegan in Australian publications. This is looking at all you know newspapers or all online publications just mentioning the term vegan, which is um, yeah gone yeah risen quite a bit in recent years. And we we spoke about this a few episodes ago that that doesn't necessarily mean the coverage is ne- is positive. Sorry, it doesn't mean it's necessarily promoting veganism. But even the fact that it is being discussed more is is sort of increasing awareness and getting more um, yeah getting this term out there more. Um, do you want to talk a bit about that? data if you've got it in front of you about this yeah, um, yeah. yeah. well it's, uh, it's quite amazing that the number of mentions of the word vegan in um, newspapers and, and other uh, publications in Australia has, has doubled in the last two years and I think it's gone up by ten times in the last ten years yeah that's right mm-hmm. so um, it's I think you'd probably call that exponential mm-hmm. um, and um, I did have a quick look at some of the um, uses of it a lot of them uh, by by cooking editors, by by people that look at food, um, so that's that's probably where um, a lot of it comes in. Um, the use of the word vegan is, is when it's applied to animal rights and animal issues. It, it's not uh, not as much as, as those figures uh, are. But I did note that if you look at the word veganism, that's increasing even faster and. People don't talk about, usually talk about veganism when they're talking about the ethics. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's quite a good good point as well, that, mm-hmm. um, the, the faster rise in, in um, discussion of veganism rather than um, food editors talking about, uh, you know, the latest vegan desserts at, at your local shop. Mm, for sure. And yeah, I guess in terms of just briefly touching on some of those figures, so vegan in all Australian publications, only 337 mentions in 2005. Uh, by 2017, that had gone up to 3,089. And by 2018, 5,109. So there's been that sort of gradual, quite yeah, quite steep increase, as you mentioned, basically exponential. And also in the last year, we've seen a significant increase going from 3,089, 2017 to 5,000. 2,109 in 2018. So it's definitely, yeah, we can see it all around us, but it's very, I guess, measurable as well. Uh, I want to move a bit onto the politics side. So we played Andy Medic's speech a while, um, yeah, earlier on in the show. And yeah, I, this is something we did touch on when we had Bruce Poon from the Animal Justice Party on. But I wonder if you wanted to talk a little bit about um, what, you know, um, Andy Medic, the Animal Justice Party, or just politicians in general can do for uh, veganism? Because I think a lot of the policies, the main policy of the Animal Justice Party, are things like banning factory farming, banning live export, protecting native wildlife, um, campaigns that vegans are involved in but aren't necessarily sort of directly promoting veganism. So what, what sort of gains do you think we can get through politics for veganism? Yeah, I, I think um, what we what we need to do is... is lower the barriers to, for people to become um, vegan and so that that can be information people people are given the wrong information about um, uh, the way animals are treated or, or um, the environment or, or health so those sort of um, thing areas direct or indirectly help animals by encouraging people to go vegan but they're um, Things like, uh, well, as I mentioned before, um, making sure that people, um, or it's illegal to discriminate against vegans uh, on that on that belief. Um, making sure that um, there are vegan options in any kind of um, 
institution that's government supported um, so that um, that'd be hospitals or prisons uh, any any um, <clears throat> any meals that are provided um, by councils or state governments or the federal government should have decent vegan options so that it's just um, in front of the public all the time and it also makes it a lot easier for vegans and people who are interested in going vegan to um, to get into it. So these sort of um, structural or systemic um, changes are a bit different to the the usual way we go about advocating for veganism, which is talking to people and telling people individually, one-to-one, mm. what the benefits are, what the reasons are. Mm. But to make the whole environment um, a lot more, a lot easier so that the barriers are, are lower uh, for, for people. Do you, do you think there's any, um, in, in the future, when we get a bit further down this, this road, some of the... Um, work in epidemiology and looking at change across for both um, health and economic and um, lots of different variables that determine individuals' um, health and their well-being uh, are spoken about in terms of epidemiology and mm. the, the determinants of health and whatnot. Do you think there's ever going to be a point where we get to where we can actually promote, say, where the government promotes things around um, reducing smoking, like no smoking in certain areas, no smoking in certain places, that we take a larger look at, a societal look at veganism, and if we implement certain um, changes or promotions of veganism, that we can have a significant benefit on both the environment, on people's health and well-being, and other other um, things that we don't we don't know that will have an impact on those sorts of if we have a large-scale yeah. structural change. Yeah. Well, um, one thing that that came to mind then was um, there are currently campaigns. To, to label um, uh, processed meat as being carcinogenic. Mm. Um, and that the World Health Organization has clearly stated that um, processed meats are, are carcinogenic and that red meat is more than likely. And so in the same way that you're talking about cigarettes and the, and the labeling of cigarette packets clearly educates people how dangerous they are, we should do the same. Um, people should... Consumers you know, um, should have have the right to to be fully informed about what they're um, what they're eating, and so putting um, cancer warnings on on um, um, bacon and ham and things like that. I think that's that's probably a step, the next step in a way, because mm. it's it's um, it's backed up by by. Um, a couple of good examples. Cigarette smoking is, is one, the, the labelling and, and making it more difficult for people to smoke. And um, lead in petrol. Uh, mm. That was in the 70s or 80s. Um, completely, um, the, the, the petrol companies just didn't want a, a bar of it. They didn't want to um, take lead out of petrol. And yet, 30 years later, it's all gone. So... So these sort of changes, um, and that was done purely for, for health reasons, um, can happen. They can happen fairly quickly. Um, that that campaign was uh, was won over a, a couple of decades. So um, there's also the idea of labelling um, 
food products, and this is something that's just recently come out from Oxford University, labelling them in terms of their um, environmental damage. Mm. So you can... Um, the, the proposal was to have a, a four-leaf clover design um, where each of the, the leaves, one was about pesticides, one was about uh, harm to the environment, um, including <clears throat> global warming, um, biodiversity and water was the other one. And so uh, most vegan products or plant-based plant products would have fairly small clover leaves and they would paint them green, whereas things like meat, which uses a lot of um, a lot of water, has a lot of emissions, would have big red um, leaves on them. So that, that, that's in the environmental sphere, mm. but it will also um, suggest to people, well, meat is not, is not good for the planet as well. Yeah, absolutely. Think, uh, yeah, so it, again, it's lowering the barriers. People won't <clears throat> believe that we need meat to, to be healthy. Um, that that uh, myth will be slowly um, eroded and people will be more likely to go vegan. And so Vegan Australia is working on these structural um, changes to, or, you, yeah, you work on structural changes um, around veganism. Do you know of anyone that's working on the things that you, are you working on the things that you're discussing? And, and how, how do we as a community try and push or, or help a, a, an organisation like yours um, promote the idea that we, we need labelling around um, around the health impacts of meat? Or how does... Because like um, smoking did, they they came up against a huge lobbying, mm. lobbying um, effort and still do. You know, there's still people in the smoking industry that aren't happy with the packaging. Um, mm. And same with, same with the lead and same with um, lots of different things. How do we as a community support and, and push these sorts of structural changes? <clears throat> well, that's, the, that's the, the, the question Vegan Australia has been wrestling with for the last few years, is, is how, to, how to get um, um, get ahead in, in that. Coming up with the ideas is good, and we, we do have a fairly good list of, of the sort of campaigns we'd like to run. Mm. But how to implement them... Um, um, advertising is so expensive um, we can't really go down that path yet um, what uh, one of the things we've been doing <coughs> excuse me is um, whenever there's an opportunity in a government um, inquiry they often open inquiries up to the public we, we make submissions um, so that at a, at a high level in government at least um, some people are made aware of the alternatives, um, and, and these these inquiries range from um, into animal welfare or um, the environment or, or health, um, and, and a number of other areas. And we generally put in a similar, uh, um, quite a similar um, submission. Um, stating that a lot of these problems that you're talking about would, would go away if we moved to a, a plant-based agricultural system. Mm. And we explicitly say that <clears throat> we can probably do that in about 10 years if, if there was given given the social and political will. So that's one way we can sort of uh, work on these big 
big issues, structural change. Um, but, um, yeah, that's the big question. Mm-hmm. And, that- and I think it's, it's not, it's not uh, unusual to, to this area. Um, I mean, how, how, did, how did women get the vote? Mm. How did uh, all sorts of social justice um, changes come about? They were, um, they were hard and, uh, and, and took a long time. Yeah, it's definitely tough to actually do, but I think it's really good that Vegan Australia are attempting to do it because, yeah, there is actually just drawing on a bit of the academic literature about the animal movement. There's a some critique is that we're overly focused on convincing individuals to become vegan without actually looking at that broader society. And I think Vegan Australia, even though they do have, um, you know, you do have information on your site encouraging people to become vegan and help with that, and I think that is really important. I don't think anyone would argue that more vegans is a good thing, but I think it is good that you do have that focus on changing the society to to make it more likely for individuals to become vegan as well um and i wanted to yeah get your thoughts well, a just, bit oh go ahead on, on, just on that I, I i think um i was looking at how, how people do become vegan and often there's a final point where they, they see a video or they talk to someone and and they you know at that point they say yes i, I should become vegan but leading up to that there's all sorts of influences, starting from from childhood, you know, with with advertising and and tradition and um, education, and those also have an influence. Not just the final conversation at the at the um, at the store, at the um, the markets or something. And so that's where, why I thought we need um, to address systemic um, changes as well. Mm. In, in, encourage more of those opportunities, those touch points throughout a life, um, exactly, and yeah. and lower those barriers and increase self efficacy, so that yes. people can make the make the decision easier. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. And yeah, well, one thing we have touched on the show before is this idea of single-issue campaigns where we maybe focus on a particular form of animal use rather than necessarily sort of challenging it all and promoting veganism. And one interesting graphic which Vegan Australia put out, it's got ban, it's got about 100 different things, live export, greyhound racing, duck shooting, factory farming, whaling, and there's, yeah, again, there's probably about 100 others. Uh, and then at the end it says, or stop all animal use and go vegan. I'm just wondering, yeah, is that, um, this kind of thing, is that, um, in the hope that more vegan advocates or more vegans actually promote veganism rather than focusing on particular um, issues of animal use? Yeah, well, I think it's to try try and get that. It's um, there's so many people working on different different issues, um, and some of these issues are not making a lot of headway. Um, um, Whereas if, if if all of that effort and those millions of dollars went into more fundamental work of, of trying to improve or increase the number of vegans or the number of people who understand what veganism is about, um, that's that's maybe a, a, another or a better way to, to do it. Mm. Um, I, I often think about the, the live export campaign and how horrific that industry is, but... It's been worked on for the last 30 years or 40 years. Um, and has any progress been made? Um, um, you know, would that effort and time and, and people and money have been better spent um, doing much more um, explicit vegan advocacy? Mm. 
And yeah, someone I've been influenced quite a lot in this regard is Roger Yates, who's a sociologist and animal activist over in Ireland. And he points out like all these campaigns are important, but veganism rolls all of these campaigns into one because vegans don't shoot ducks, vegans don't eat whales, etc. And so it's not to say these campaigns aren't important, but it's to say that they are all so important that we kind of need to promote all of them. And, and veganism is one way to do that, I guess. Mm. Yeah, and I think... Mm. Sorry, it, it just draws um, parallels to me with the um, the climate emergency sort of response and activism. So people for many years have been working on campaigns around, you know, stop Adani or stop X coal mine, stop X gas field. But really what we need to be doing is a much larger structural change of our entire society, um, not only stopping fossil fuels, but drawing um, carbon out of the atmosphere, ending animal agriculture and ending the emissions there, regrowing land that is used for animal agriculture and having a, a wider view of things rather than just narrowing down on what is possible or achievable, mm. um, in quotes they are, um, possible and achievable, mm -hmm. and actually losing sight of what our end goal is and what is mm. actually needed to get to where we want to be. Mm. Yeah, and I guess the, the question is why... Why are they very popular? Mm. Um, why is the ban life export campaign very popular? Why people want to um, protect the Barrier Reef from stop Adani? They want to years ago that was the the dams in Tasmania mm. um, stopping the um, Pedder Lake um, submersion and 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 greyhounds and um, and ducks. It it seems maybe people need something specific and smaller. To, to get their head around and mm. get passionate about. Mm. And these huge issues of, of solving um, climate change and animal agriculture, is, it's not as um, appealing. Mm. I mean, there are a few of us that, that, um, that concentrate on those sort of things, but um, a lot more people um, um, you know, help out at the local cat and dog pound. Mm. So... Some big questions there. Yeah, yeah. certainly and, are. And I think one thing I mentioned on that single issue campaign, there was a flyer that went around the environmental movement called Are the Issues the Issue? And it was basically talking about how in the environmental movement we protect one bit of wilderness, but then does it just move somewhere else? I think there's a lot of parallels with animal campaigns. Like there's a lot of campaigns to stop people in China eating dogs, but mm. will they just replace If we don't have a vegan message, will they just eat pigs? Like, is there actually an overall gain or does it sort of just transfer the suffering from one species to another or one area to another, I guess, in the case of uh, environmental issues. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, one thing we touched on the show a while ago was creative activism. We had a talk by Ollie Hornung, I'm going to remind you to check out all our episodes on freedomofspecies.org and on iTunes. But uh, Vegan Australia has done a bit of this with uh, some um, satirical articles you've done, which I always appreciate uh, getting via the newsletters from Vegan Australia. Do you want to talk a bit about uh, yeah, some of these satirical sort of press releases you've done and sort of the motivation behind them? Yeah, well, uh, there was great um, great joy when um, the Premier of New South Wales, um, Baird, banned greyhound racing. Um, I think it was a couple of years ago. And that was massive news. And when I saw that article, I thought all of the reasons that they're, they're using to ban greyhound racing, like it's, it's 
exploiting animals for money, it's not needed, people can find other jobs, are exactly the same arguments for for banning animal agriculture. Mm. <laughs> and so I I just went through that article, changing um, ground racing to animal farming um, and making a few other small changes and, and republished it. And I think it's interesting to see those arguments being used by the other side, if you like. Um, so they, they understand what the arguments are. Um, for some reason, they don't um, don't apply it to themselves. Hmm. But um, I, I, we made a mistake in that article in not clearly saying that this was a, a satirical piece. And there were a few people upset because they, they thought it was true that the New South Wales government had banned animal farming. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been a shock in the morning to wake up. <laughs> we learnt uh, yes, we learnt our lesson. And the next one was um, the union's push for live export ban. That was a bit more a bit harder to 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 spoof because they were essentially saying we should kill the animals in Australia and uh, I don't know the, the equivalent of that. If, if unions push for um, animal farming ban, I guess they grow plants in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that kind of stuff is really good too. Yeah, I'm a big fan of things like the Chaser and Batuta Advocate, those kind of things. I was very much in that kind of vein and they've often had the same thing of having their articles taken seriously as well. Uh, yeah. But I think it is good to, yeah, even if it does sound unrealistic at this point in time to imagine like how we could move towards a more vegan future and things like getting the unions on board, for example, would be a really mm. good part of that. So I think it's good to imagine. And speaking of imagining a, a vegan future, um, I know one thing Greg was keen to speak about and this was a really, really great... Um, mockumentary by comedian Simon Amstel, Amstel sorry, um, Carnage. You know, Greg was keen to speak about that. And as far as I know, this is something we haven't actually covered on the show, definitely not uh, any shows I've been on. Um, so, And I think it's really worth mentioning. So do you want to talk a bit about that, um, yeah, that mockumentary? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant movie. And unfortunately, it's not available outside of the UK unless you, you know how to... Um, Break the firewalls or something. Yeah, I looked up last night. Yeah, there's a few clips on YouTube, but unfortunately yeah. not the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's um, set in in 50 years time. I think about 2065 when um, Britain had gone vegan, hmm. and so it's a documentary looking back at the last about 100 years or since since about 1944 um, about the rise of of veganism and and how the UK um, over that time went vegan and all of the footage up to the present, which was I think 2015 when it was made, is actual footage. So you have um, these amazing um, uh, TV shows made by the Vegan Society of the UK um, um, that are very um, awkward, I guess <laughs> is the word. Um, and they're, they're, they're real. I've seen those before. And, and then from 2015, or when the film was made, it then goes into... Um, well, it follows how any social justice movement might, might make its gains. Um, there are um, protests and, and setbacks and, um, and leaders, uh, you know, um, saviors, if you like. Um, um, 
and eventually it, it gets to the point where, where people are having, in, in 2065, people who used to eat animal products go to counselling sessions to try and get over the trauma of having a past <clears throat> where they um, exploited animals so much. Um, and it, those things reminded me of, I imagine, um, people that are involved in, in um, um, horrific human um, slaughters, the um, Pol Pot or the Nazi um, Second World War mm. um, treatment of, of people. And they have to live their lives and, and look back and, and, and work out how what happened. And people, and I guess that's happening now with vegans, people go vegan and then look back and need to deal with the trauma. Mm. So this film brought that up as well. But I think um, you're about to... Are you about to play a um, a part of that? Yeah, we're going to play it. Have you, have you seen it, Adam? Or not? Yeah, I've yeah. seen it. I think, yeah. I think it was such a... Um, it was hilarious, one, and mm. it was... But it, it sort of balanced on this edge of, of absolutely great satire, mm. but really poignant pieces of mm. um, of commentary on society. And there's this one part where there's a there's a there's a um, a play, and there's a mother cow. That's actually that we're going to play. Oh, it, yeah. it is just yeah. so good. I always mm. remember that part of the mm. film, and I'm glad we're going to play it. So mm. we'll yeah. we'll get into that now. It's just fantastic. So if you can find it, or you're in the UK, you have a friend in the UK, <laughs> yeah. um, figure out how you can get a copy of Carnage, and certainly watch that. Then. In 2024, a controversial hit musical, broadcast in full by the BBC, threatened to blow the dairy industry apart. Redmond for nine months, hours of labour, so excited to see my little boy. Where, where have you taken my baby? Are you passionate about films, interested in cultural diversity, or wanting to get exposure for your own film? The Indonesian Film Festival is just around the corner, with our main events running from March the 23rd to April the 10th. There'll be free film screenings, panel discussions, and for filmmakers, there's the short film competition. This year's theme is The Unknown and film submissions close on the 3rd of March. What are you waiting for? Go and check it out. The Indonesian Film Festival, iwfaustralia.com, a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR and we're chatting with Greg McFarlane who is director of Vegan Australia and we just heard a little bit of the mockumentary Carnage talking about a vegan future in the UK and how they got there, those kind of things. I just, yeah, again, recommend people see it but I just wanted to mention a couple of things about that. The idea that it had some really heavy points in there and that was an example of that that clip but also sort of balanced it out with the humour. I, I felt it was quite... It's always hard to see how effective it is because I guess I'm watching it 
through vegan eyes, like how effective it is to someone who isn't already vegan. But I sort of really enjoyed it, even though it did raise these heavy issues. And so one of the points I thought were particularly good is I think they spoke about some, there was some the natural disaster and all these animals died. I think there's maybe something similar to Adam's been tweeting about recently. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was like they died and it was like they were killed, depriving them of weeks of life or something like that. And I thought yeah. that was just such a like a spot on kind of point that yet like we always say, oh no, these animals died in the flood, which is really upsetting, but they were destined for slaughter anyway. And so can we be that upset about it or yeah, in that context, I guess, but yeah, really recommend it. Yeah. And that's quite um, poignant with the current situation in Queensland where mm. we've been having um, articles and conversations around up to 300,000 cattle or cows Mm. um, dying in the floods. And this isn't only drowning, but dying of starvation because Mm. um, fodder or or their food is not available or uh, and and, um, farmers going and shooting them um, because they aren't able to um, keep them, keep them alive. Mm. And, and yeah, there's this, this, this large sort of outcry around that situation, but every single one of those 300,000 cows will, was a dead cow walking Mm. they were already destined to die Mm. and it's just that it's not hidden behind a humane sort of message and behind the doors of a slaughterhouse that people are actually um, horrified by it Mm. and and what there's this big disconnect between the reality and um, what we are seeing right now Mm. yeah Mm. and i guess killed well before they would otherwise live to like yeah somewhere between a few days and maybe a year or two whereas cows could live to 20 or so if they're free from exploitation but speaking of all those issues we might pass over to you greg one thing i found really interesting and we've mentioned this on the show uh, not too long ago was about vegan australia promoting drought relief for animal sanctuaries do you want to talk a little bit about that initiative yeah well it was about the middle of last year when um we there were um huge um Charity campaigns. Uh, I remember there was a, a, a telethon um, that raised several million dollars for buy a bail, where mm. um, the charity bought food for um, to, to to give to to starving or um, or drought affected animals. Um, and I noticed there were a lot of vegans who up, were upset that you know, the, these animals were were starving to death, but didn't really want to. Um, Give money to, to farmers to to feed their you know, cattle so that they could take them to the slaughterhouse. Mm. And and then I heard that that there are quite, there are a number, a lot of um, animal sanctuaries, farmed animal sanctuaries in Australia, and a lot of them were in the drought affected areas, and they were having exactly the same problems. Their their fields, their their, their pastures were, were dry. There was no grass, and they were being affected by the increase in uh, feed prices as well. And yet they weren't um, eligible for any of the government handouts and none of the charities would support them either. Um, They would only support um, farming businesses. So we, Vegan Australia, put together um, the Save a Sanctuary Drought Appeal, um, which was um, all the money was going to go to um, sanctuaries that were affected by the drought and we were able to raise $30,000. it's um, unfortunately not not enough, um, but um, it did help. Um, uh, we had about fifteen sanctuaries who um, who put their hand up and said, "Yes, we're we're in the drought area. We're being affected." Um, so that was that was that was good. But uh, interesting that that it was so well. It was relatively easy 
to, to raise money for that immediate issue. Mm. But raising money for vegan education and other long-term things is not that easy. It's interesting. I wonder if you, you're a vegan, if Vegan Australia has um, thoughts on this, but the support for, um, for food for farmers, the animals that farmers keep, is actually just really an um, agricultural t- um, sort of handout. It's, yes, it's, subs- mm-hmm. it's subsidy, exactly. It's, it's yeah. purely a subsidy and is helping the bottom line of farmers. And mm-hmm. there's talk around um, uh, including more subsidies now, or, or I think it might be New South Wales or it might be federal, but there's a talk about a drought subsidy for farmers, which is really just, we're going to bail out failing businesses. And they're using, they're spinning the suffering and the the um, horrible situation that the animals are in to mm. get this subsidy, and it's it's just, it's, it's really um it's sort of not a nice not a nice it's thing. Very cynical. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And what so what does does Vegan Australia have any positions on on subsidies for um for these farmers and what we yeah. do about those sorts of issues? Well, we, we've had that on our list of, uh, on our wish list, our campaign wish list for a number of years. Of, uh, I mean, the first thing we need to do is, is do some research to find out how much subsidies uh, are paid to animal farmers and, and compare it to, to plant farmers mm-hmm. and, uh, and then make that public and, and, uh, and then try and um, move it from one to the other so that, and this will have a lot of benefits. It'll probably increase the price of meat, but it should decrease the, the price um, of plant products. And one of our other goals is to make healthy, fresh plant foods available to everyone in Australia. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to get food like that um, in the cities, but uh, in remote areas, um, it's not so, not so easy. So if we could shift the subsidies from this unhealthy unethical industry to um, uh, a more ethical industry. Um, and I think, um, again, you know, it's difficult to know where to start on that, but at least um, doing some research and opening up the discussion is, is, a, is a good place. Mm. Yeah, and no, I guess it's about in a way, getting people to pay the true costs of food. Like I've heard, you know, obviously, you know, McDonald's burgers are quite cheap, but if people are actually paying for like the environmental damage, for example, and all the sort of external mm. costs of that, it would be very different. Mm. But of course, one of the reasons why it's so cheap is because animal agriculture is subsidised by the government. So yeah, again, the, the importance of that sort of structural change. And in terms of just getting that, that research done, obviously, um, Vegan Australia has lots of lots of ideas and do you do you also have people helping you are you looking for people that might be interested in particular projects to help do you do it all on your own like what is the structure of vegan australia is there um, opportunity to to yeah. help out or or not like what's... oh definitely yes yes we're always looking for 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 researchers and writers um a number of years ago uh, we put together um research into uh, what Australia would look like if, if the agricultural system went vegan. And, and and a lot of people, a lot of non-vegans will say, well, what, what's going to happen to all the jobs? The economy will collapse. Um, we'll be overrun by animals. We don't have enough land to, to grow all the plants, to, to feed everyone. And so we looked at all those questions, and, and they're all 
surprisingly, um, well, there, there's no problem with any of them. Um, and so we we need people to, to continue that sort of research. Um, an example of, of, the, of what we found was that only about 1% of the population of Australia or the employment is used in animal agriculture. Mm. So when you hear someone say, well, everyone can be out of a job, well, it's probably less people will be out of a job or will need to find a new job than in the car industry, which is, you know, the last 10 or 20 years has, has disappeared from Australia. Mm-hmm. So these sort of changes in, 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 in industry is, is something that um, is dealt with all the time. And I imagine, in fact, that some some versions of plant-based um, agriculture are actually more labour-intensive than animal agriculture. Um, fruit picking, for instance, uh, employs lots of people, but I suppose mm-hmm. only seasonally, and um, it's hard to find people for those ro- those roles. Um, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think the more um, environmentally friendly we farm, um, you know, in an organic way, the um, they require more people as well. So, mm-hmm. we, if society wants to do it, I think it's quite, quite. Um, it'd be quite easy to make sure that everyone can have a job. Yeah. So, yeah, people to do research into that area, into land use, how, you know, what um, what other uses um, animal farmers might have for their land, um, um, economics. Yeah, so. And and any other, um, I guess, fundamental research is, is what we're looking looking at. Yeah. Things that haven't been done before. And we mentioned the drought before, and obviously the opposite is going uh, on at the moment in Townsville. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out. So uh, Mary Dan's Menagerie is an animal sanctuary in Townsville, one that I've visited. It seems like great people doing great work. So they're putting a call out for flood relief because they've been very much, or their, their animals they're looking after, they've been very much affected by that. So you can find that on the Freedom of Species Facebook and Twitter, and you can also just search it. So it's Mary Dan, M-A-R-I-D-A-N, uh, Dan's Menagerie. Uh, menagerie uh, flood relief so you can search that if you've got any money to donate to that but in the last few minutes I wanted to give uh, Greg a chance to give any plugs so yeah the website for Vegan Australia is veganaustralia.org.au so I'd imagine that'd be the best way to get in touch Um, you can sign up for the newsletter social media volunteer donate but yeah I just want to hand over to you Greg just in case there's yeah anything you'd like to um, tell listeners in terms of how they can get more involved I want to say personally I, I get the newsletters and really enjoy getting those so i'd encourage people to sign up for those but yeah anything you'd like to say in terms of um listeners getting more involved with the work of vegan australia yeah well i think that probably the first way would be to sign up for the for the newsletter the it comes out every week and one of the services that we do for the vegan community is to is to collate events um vegan and animal rights events um around australia and and put those out in a weekly uh, email for your state, wherever you happen to be. Um, and generally in, in that uh, email, we also put together a, um, an article or, or a, a news item. Um, that's that's the, probably the first way. We're also looking for, if people are interested in writing, I think the, the first thing is to... Um, write about your, your vegan story, how you became vegan, what influenced you, um, anything that was difficult. And we publish those. We have a, a series called uh, Profiles of New Vegan, although you don't have to be a new vegan to 
get in there. Um, so that that'll at least um, you know, get the the writing juices started, and then uh, then we can move on to uh, other things from there. But um, I'd just like to finally, if we've got time, talk about uh, something that we just started up last year, which is the Vegan Australia Certified um, Scheme or Program. Um, we felt that, well, we, we realised that there was a big demand for from um, manufacturers, food, food and other manufacturers, to have a, a local certification scheme. The, the Vegan Society UK um, logo was available, but people <clears throat> tended not to be that interested in dealing with a, um, you know, an offshore organisation to do that. So we started up uh, Vegan Australia Certified, and we have a, a list on our website now. Of, um, I think there's about uh, over 20 companies and about 200 uh, products that we've um, uh, certified so far. And... One of the reasons we're doing that is is to help help vegans naturally when they're looking at a product, but also if if we have um, the Vegan Australia certified stamp on 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 a, on a packet, that then educates other people when they see it to to look into look into the the idea. Just another another form of um, free advertising, if you like. Yeah. So um, yeah, if anyone knows any any businesses who would like to uh, or might be interested in um, getting certified, um, get in touch with them as well. Mm. Fantastic. And uh, I just wanted to mention before we go, I, I just came across a documentary that's being um, shown at BAFTA in the UK or up for a prize in the UK um, at BAFTA called 73 Cows. And it's a documentary about a beef farmer in the UK who felt so deeply about the cows um, that he was he was using and conflicted by his work that he went vegan and found a home for the cows um, at a sanctuary. Uh, and he's now working on being a vegan farmer and hoping to inspire others to do the same. So the transition away from the agricultural system that we have, um, I think, is is starting out very slowly, but it is happening. So people are thinking about it very much like Vegan Australia and Greg, mm. and I think um, it's achievable. We've just got to keep on pushing it. Thanks so much for joining us, Greg. We better wrap yeah. it up. A reminder that everyone can listen to all our old episodes at freedomofspecies.org and on iTunes. Make, for, make sure you stay tuned for Encyclopedia, always worth listening to. And we're going to finish up with a vegan-themed track. It's called Vampire in You by Universal Pop Lab. Thanks, Greg. Tastes so good, I can't give it up Tasteful flesh means they're out of luck Screams for silent long before the flesh touches your tongue Tastes so good, I can't let it go Virgin blood for the vampire on you Rescue thanks, no tears shit for the life served on our plate Slice it up You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.